It's just about 7.34. Uh, at the World Economic Forum earlier this year, it was predicted that 5 million jobs would be lost over the next five years in 15 advanced economies because of automation. The Korea Press Foundation recently found that 76% of adults in this country are concerned about their job security because of the fourth industrial revolution. And we can now welcome on the line Martin Ford, a renowned futurist, the author of the New York Times bestseller, Rise of the Robots, Technology and the Threat of a Jobless Future. And thank you very much for joining us as part of our special interviews to celebrate our 27th anniversary here at TBS. Thank you for having me. Um, so it's a rather dismal prophecy on the one hand, this idea of a jobless future. It doesn't have to be if managed properly, of course. Um, how fast is this situation unfolding, the replacement of humans by robots in the job market? Well, we're definitely seeing lots of evidence that the technology is moving very fast. I mean, so far, you know, we don't see outright unemployment, um, but we do see in countries like the United States very stagnant wages um, and lots, of, of course, inequality. So I think that there's already an impact from technology. And the thing is, it could, you know, get a lot, a lot more dramatic. We don't really know exactly when that's going to happen. But, I mean, you look at what happened in, in Korea last year with Lee Sedol, how, how Google was able to be... Um, you know, beat the best player in, in the world at Go um, by building an artificial intelligence system. So there is a lot of remarkable progress in the technology. So there are reasons to be concerned that it could uh, be quite disruptive. Yeah, I mean, of course, it's one thing to master one particular discipline of Go, no matter how um, actually impressive that was. But it's another to be a teacher or a journalist or a lawyer or a writer of some description that draws on on creativity human intuition That's right, but but the thing to understand is that it initially at least it's not really about replacing entire jobs as much as it's about replacing tasks so for example there are already systems that can do you know basic journalism that can write uh news articles automatically by looking at data um, they can't replace everything a journalist does or everything most journalists do but it can do you know quite a lot and that's getting bigger and bigger so uh, what's going to happen, I think, is that you, you might have two workers and half of what each of those workers does gets automated and then, of course, there's only one job there left because things sort of consolidate. So, Yeah, I, I mean, I just want to address one of those areas that I would perhaps know more about, the area of journalism. Um, I, I feel as well as a consumer of, of news that even when I suspect that a newspaper is taking their stories from a news wire, there's just something less appealing about that. And that's a, still a human writing the story for a news wire, but it feels colder. Whereas, you know, reading a newspaper written by human beings affiliated with a certain paper, with a certain character of that, that, that for me is the beauty of newspapers. Can a robot ever capture the public imagination in that way? Well, I mean, there, there are already systems that generate news stories, and you, you can read one of those, and it's not obvious that it was written by a machine. Now, right now, it's in more formulaic areas, like business reporting and sports reporting and so forth. But, but within those, those realms, it's incredibly um, effective, and, and most people don't realize that, that it's not written by a person. Now, are you going to have a, a robot doing, you know, full-fledged investigative reporting or the kind of human interest reporting where you... You need to really sit down with the person and, and, and understand what's happening in their life. Probably not, 
you know, in the near term, but the, the reality is though that there are many other areas of journalism that will be susceptible to this um, fairly early on. And of course, if we, if we think in the, in the future, you know, more than 10, 20 years, then nothing is off the table. I mean, anything is possible at that point. Of course, the only way in which this would happen is if it's uh, better for us in some way, or better for many of us. Otherwise, there's no incentive to do it, right? I mean, it's not all bad. Well, I mean, there's a market incentive, right? Businesses can save money and become more effective, more profitable by, by relying on this, this automation. So that's probably the primary thing that's driving it, right, is, is, is business profitability. Um, you know, and, so, and if... And if it, it is... And if we look at, you know, rearranging profits, if you like, if we look at restructuring the economy, if governments are clever, they, they could actually present a, a solution that means less working hours, at least for people, and, and a more uh, efficient society, should we say. That's right. I mean, and that's, that's the utopian vision. I mean, that's, if, you, if you ever watched the TV show Star Trek, I mean, people don't work nine-to-five jobs, and they have more freedom to do things that they enjoy, and that's the kind of future that we can we can strive for, right? Where people don't have to do a dangerous job or a job that they hate or a job that's really boring. Machines will do more and more of that. But if we just allow things to progress the way things seem to be going now, we're going to end up with a big in, uh, income distribution problem, right? Because a lot of people are simply going to be left behind, and it's primarily going to be people that do things that are on some level, you know, fundamentally routine and repetitive and predictable, because those types of jobs and tasks are, are going to be very vulnerable to automation. So we need to figure out a solution to make sure that everyone benefits from this. And if we can do that, then I think it's, a, it's you know, a very positive thing. It's something that we can look forward to. I mean, we, we have this possibility of a utopian vision, or we have an, an alternative that might be more sinister. Uh, and I think we also need to add that the world doesn't quite operate as we expect. Just look at extremism. Just look at people willing to kill themselves in the name of, of beliefs that many people don't understand um, it, as an example of how things wouldn't necessarily play out as we would hope. But um, do you think, Mr. Ford, that it's important that governments do expand intervention, as we are actually seeing under our current government here in South Korea with, with intervention to create jobs. Do you think it's important that there's a yeah, strong state involvement or, or, or are market forces better at driving this change? Well, I, you know, I believe in market forces, but I don't think the market can solve this problem. Um, you know, the, the, what, what the market is going to do is it's going to push things to ever more automation, more efficiency, and that's going to end up uh, destroying a lot of the jobs that people rely on. Now, I think that, so, you know, it is going to be essential that the government step in and do something, and the question is, what should they do? And a lot of people, of course, will call for governments to somehow stop this, stop this progress, or, or don't allow jobs to be eliminated. I think that would be a mistake. Uh, we don't want to put a stop to progress, because the progress will make us better off. Um, but I clearly, I believe governments need to do something about especially the income distribution issue, and that, that's one reason that I've advocated for a basic income or a universal um, guaranteed minimum income at, at some point. I think that may be one of the best solutions to this problem. Yeah, I mean, and it, it goes beyond just income, doesn't it? It's also to do with our outgoings. I mean, one area that the U.S. is feeling tremendous pressure with right now would be medical care, but if in conjunction with the rise of the robots we're seeing improved and more efficient medical services, then 
that could be transformative too, both in terms of cost, couldn't it, and, and in terms of effectiveness of that medicine? That's right. I mean, that medicine is one of the areas that there's just tremendous potential because, of course, most, most advanced countries are aging. You know, we, we've got this demographic shift going on. That's going to greatly increase the burden of uh, looking after older people. Um, so areas like, like medical, um, the medical field or, or elder care, are just, there's just tremendous opportunities there. So, again, the last thing we would want to do is somehow try to stop this progress. What we need to do is adapt to the progress so that we can, we can you know, leverage the benefits and make sure that, that we, we can um, benefit from all these things. We saw towards the end of the 20th century the real rise in compensation culture, I think, in many developed countries. Um, but will the whole approach to law have to be transformed as well in, in conjunction with this? Um, we're seeing all the time now different... Um, automated travel and traffic systems. Uh, that perhaps is just the tip of the iceberg that's coming. So, so if there are accidents, for example, you can't uh, sue a robot, can you? Right. Uh, I mean, the, the thing about that, though, is that there will probably be far fewer accidents. Um, but there may be, there will inevitably be some, but, but uh, you know, self-driving cars and, and, and these other forms of automation should greatly reduce the number of accidents and uh, the number of people that are killed or injured, which will be a, a terrific thing. On the other hand, that will be very disruptive for insurance markets, for example. Um, so we, we're going to need to reform that. And there definitely are areas where uh, the legal system and regulations are going to have to be adapted to to deal with artificial intelligence. Um, and there are many ethical questions as well. You know, do we are we going to allow robots in the military to decide to to engage to shoot people or or police robots and that that kind of thing so there are many many questions that and we're already seeing that aren't we with drones robots don't have to be the uh the star wars star trek style model do they uh we're already seeing um forms of automation being utilized in the military it's not something that happens oh yeah it's it's right it's quite prevalent that's the thing is though um that right now there's always a person in control of the robot, right? So, so if a drone attacks someone, there's a person that makes that decision. Um, the, the big ethical debate that's happening now, though, is can we progress to the point where the machine would make that that decision automatically? And there's many people think that that should be absolutely banned in a way that chemical weapons are, are banned, for example. Um, yeah. My personal view is probably inevitable that that is going to happen just because things are going to unfold at such a rapid rate that, um, you know, by, by automating that decision, you'll have a tremendous advantage. So. Well, I mean, another aspect of this... lots and lots of issues. I, I was going to say another act, aspect of this that we're already seeing a lot of is um, the, the use of technology against itself through um, viral and cyber terror means. And we, we've already heard repeatedly experts tell us it's almost impossible to stay ahead of them. Uh, th- those who wish to destroy information systems. What's your view on that and, and in terms of how it could undermine the fourth industrial revolution if people decide right. eventually to push back and go offline? Yeah, I think that, that that's one of the major risks that we face. I mean, there, you know, what I focused on is the economic problem and, and the fact that a lot of jobs were, will be lost. That's one big challenge that we face. And I think the second biggest one um, is probably the security issue, because as things become more connected, more automated, they are going to be more vulnerable to 
to attack, whether it's cybercrime or, or, or cyber warfare. Uh, I think that the only real solution to that is going to be to use still more technology. So you're going to need to deploy, for example, artificial intelligence in order to defend these systems. Um, and there is so there is going to be something of an arms race going on. You know, yeah. where the bad guys are using these technologies to attack the systems, and 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 the good guys are using it to to defend it. And hopefully, we can you know stay ahead um, and, and keep these systems secure. I mean, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Transformers becomes a, a metaphor for good automation versus bad automation in that kind of scenario, doesn't it? It's, it's, uh, it is a really fascinating area. But um, right. let's also talk about what's directly in front of us. We are living in an era where the United States president uh, seems to be taking the country backwards in terms of climate change efforts. I, I mention that because uh, there will be a lot of older industries that presumably will dig their heels in as long as possible to prevent uh, electric vehicles and automated vehicles from taking over. Um, is there an argument for certain countries that they will thrive doing things the old way or should they be trying to usher in the, the next tech giants um, in the name of economic growth? Well, I, I think that this is an inevitable process. I don't think that anyone is really going to thrive in the long term by turning away from this technology. I mean, I think every country is going to have to adapt to it and adopt it, um, and every industry, too. Certainly, if, if major industries don't begin to incorporate technologies like robotics and artificial intelligence, they're not going to be competitive. They're going to be left behind. Uh, so, I, you know, I'm definitely not a fan of trying to to just follow the old path. I think you do need to, to adapt to this. And right. And, and just finally, we are out of time, but do you have any words of wisdom for any young or, or budding entrepreneurs, uh, students who might be interested in taking best advantage of the fourth industrial revolution? Well, one thing that's really important is, is don't train yourself, don't go to school to learn to do a job that's routine and repetitive, where you're sitting in front of a computer or, or somewhere else doing the same kind of thing again and again. What you really want is to emphasize creativity, you know, where you're really coming up with new ideas, or you want to emphasize the kind of role where you have deep interaction with people. You know, we're really working on a, on a deep level with other people. That might be something in healthcare, like a, a doctor or a nurse, where you have that kind of empathy going on. Or it might be in the business world, where you're really creating sophisticated relationships with mm. clients. Those are the kind of things that are going to be the safest. Um, we can't say that they're always going to be safe. Maybe even those jobs will be threatened eventually. But for now, at least... Those are the areas that are least likely to be taken over by a robot. Martin Ford, futurist, author of Rise of the Robots. Thank you very much for get, uh, speaking with us today. Thank you. And uh, I don't know, I mean, the idea of a basic income sitting back sounds great, but what would we do with our time as well uh, if it was to go to that extreme? Pound a sharp, 1013 for 51 per message.